Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity to be here this morning and to be here together and to worship. And we thank you for this opportunity we have now to to come to your word and to hear you speak to us. And so we we ask that you would speak to us in a way that's clear and powerful. And we ask that you would remove any of the distractions from our hearts and minds and anything that would prevent us from hearing what you have to say to us this morning. Lord, open our ears to hear, our eyes to see, and our hearts to receive what you have to say to us this morning. And all God's people said, Amen. So we're still going through the book of Daniel, and we come to a very familiar story. I'm sure every single person in here has heard this story, Um, but that does not mean that we won't get something new out of it. So we're looking at Daniel in the lion's den. So it's uh, again, we're going to read the whole chapter. So Daniel chapter 6. It pleased Darius to appoint 120 satraps to rule throughout the kingdom with three administrators over them, one of whom was Daniel. The satraps were made accountable to them so that the king might not suffer loss. Now Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. At this, the administrators and the satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs, but they were unable to do so. They could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. Finally, these men said, we will never find any basis for charges against this man, Daniel, unless it has something to do with the law of his God. So these administrators and satraps went as a group to the king and said, O King Darius, live forever. The royal administrators, prefects, satraps, advisors, and governors have all agreed that the king should issue an edict and enforce the decree that anyone who prays to any god or man during the next 30 days, except to you, O king, shall be thrown into the lion's den. Now, O king, issue the decree and put it in writing so that it cannot be altered in accordance with the laws of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be repealed. So King Darius put the decree in writing. Now, when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened toward Jerusalem. Three times a day he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. Then these men went as a group and found Daniel praying and asking God for help. So they went to the king and spoke to him about his royal decree. Did you not publish a decree that during the next 30 days anyone who prays to any god or man, except to you, O king, would be thrown into the lion's den? The king answered, The decree stands in accordance with the laws of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be repealed. Then they said to the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, O king, or to the decree that you put in writing. He still prays three times a day. When the king heard this, he was greatly distressed. He was determined to rescue Daniel and made every effort until sundown to save him. Then the men went as a group to King Darius and said to him, Remember, O king, 
that according to the law of the Medes and Persians, no decree or edict that the king issues can be changed. So the king gave the order, and they brought Daniel and threw him into the lion's den. The king said to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve continually, rescue you. A stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the rings of his nobles, so that Daniel's situation might not be changed. Then the king returned to his palace and spent the night without eating and without entertaining, entertainment being brought to him, and he could not sleep. At the first light of dawn, the king got up and hurried to the lion's den. When he came near the den, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to rescue you from the lions? Daniel answered, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel, and he shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me, because I was found innocent in his sight. Nor have I done any wrong before you, O king. The king was overjoyed and gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den. And when Daniel was lifted from the den, no wound was found on him, because he had trusted in his God. At the king's command, the men who had falsely accused Daniel were brought in and thrown into the lion's den along with their wives and children. And before they reached the floor of the den, the lions overpowered them and crushed all their bones. Then King Darius wrote to all the nations and peoples of every language in all the earth, May you prosper greatly. I issue a decree that in every part of my kingdom, people must fear and reverence the God of Daniel, for he is the living God and he endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. He rescues and he saves He performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on the earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. So Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus, the Persian. So in looking at this passage this week, I've had persecuted Christians on my mind quite a bit. And even at prayer group on Wednesday night, Larry and I were talking about China and some of the increased persecution that's happening throughout China. The government has now made it illegal in China for anyone under the age of 18 to attend church. And they've also made it a legal requirement that every church should have a video camera in it that's connected to the government server so that the government knows who's coming and going from the church. They can kind of keep an eye on everyone. And one church, a larger church, about 1,500 members, refused to do that. They refused to install the cameras, and so the government raided the church and shut it down completely. And then a couple months later, right before Christmas, so just a few months ago, um, the government raided one of China's largest house churches, arrested their pastor, locked up 100 members of the church in jail. And uh, the pastor's name is Pastor Wang Yi, and he kind of knew it was coming, and so he wrote he wrote this really really good, um, faithful uh, a declaration of his faith and a declaration of faithful disobedience. And I'm not going to read the whole thing because it's really long, but I want to read a few parts of it. Um, and if you want to read the whole thing, if you go to my sermon online, I've got a link to it, and you can read the whole thing online. Um, But here's what Pastor Wang Yi wrote. On the basis of the teachings, actually I have it up here. On the basis of the teachings of the Bible, 
and the mission of the gospel, I respect the authorities God has established in China. For God deposes kings and raises up kings. And we've been talking about this quite a bit lately. This is why I submit to the historical and institutional arrangements of God in China. As a pastor of a Christian church, I have my own understanding and views based on the Bible about what righteous order and good government is. At the same time, I'm filled with anger and disgust at the persecution of the church by this communist regime, at the wickedness of their depriving people of the freedoms of religion and of conscience. But changing social and political institutions is not the mission I have been called to and is not the goal for which God has given his people the gospel. For all hideous realities, unrighteous politics and arbitrary laws manifest the cross of Jesus Christ the only means by which every Chinese person must be saved. They also manifest the fact that true hope and a perfect society will never be found in the transformation of any earthly institution or culture, but only in our sins being freely forgiven by Christ and in the hope of eternal life. So that's the beginning, and now here's at the very end. He says, separate me from my wife and children, ruin my reputation, Destroy my life and my family. The authorities are capable of doing all these things. However, no one in this world can force me to renounce my faith. No one can make me change my life. No one can raise me from the dead. Jesus is the Christ, son of the eternal living God. He died for sinners and rose to life for us. He is my king and the king of the whole earth yesterday today and forever. I am his servant and I am imprisoned because of this. I will resist in meekness those who resist God and I will joyfully violate all laws that violate God's laws. That's powerful. And uh, there's a lot more good stuff in there. This is just the beginning and the end. So I encourage you to read it. But I put this out there because this is a modern day Daniel. It happened like four months ago. It was outlawed for him to be doing what he was doing, and he had to make this choice. Do I obey God's law, or do I obey the law of my country? And this happened to Daniel. He was just faithfully following his God. He was doing what he was doing, kind of wherever he was. He was serving in the government, and he was doing a good job. They kept moving him up, and even a new nation came in and conquered Babylon, and a new king is there. And they look at Daniel, and they say, man, this guy has got integrity. He's got leadership gifts. And so the, the new king says, man, Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. So Daniel's going to be put, he's going to be the top guy in all the kingdom. And all of his buddies, buddies, um, did not like it. You know, there's, there's a Japanese proverb that says the nail that sticks up will be pounded down, right? And that's the, his buddies were following that philosophy. Daniel's kind of sticking out above the rest of us so much we need to take him out. And so they start watching Daniel. They start inspecting every aspect of his life, trying to bring a charge against him, trying to find something so that the king's going to throw him out and they can't find anything. Isn't that amazing? They, they can't find anything, any impropriety, anything against him that they can, get, they can pin on him 
to get him kicked out of his position. So they finally say, we will never find any basis for charges against this man, Daniel, unless it has something to do with the law of his God. And I think, may that be said about us. I mean, unbelievable. The only way we can ever find anything wrong against this guy, because he served with such integrity and such honor, honor, the only way we'll be able to get anything against him is to make his faith illegal. Then we can get him. If we make his faith illegal, he's done for. And so that's what they do. They all come up to the, the king and they, you know, there's this long list of the satraps, the governors, the prefects. It's kind of like if you've ever been on a board and somebody says, well, people are saying, it's kind of what's going on. Well, people are saying that we should have this law where everybody prays to you, O king. And anybody who doesn't pray to you is going to be thrown to the lions. And the king signs it into order. Now, I suppose pride comes in many shapes and forms. And if you think, man, I've got a whole, the whole world going to pray to me, I suppose you will sign that into order, I guess. I don't know. I, could, I was trying to figure out why he did that. But it really puts Daniel in a tough position, doesn't it? Here he is. He's, he's a high-up government authority. He and the king get along really well. They're, they're good buddies. You'll see that as we go through the story. And now he has to make a decision. Should he obey the governing authorities? Should he obey this law? Or should he obey God's law? And even just like Pastor Wang Yi that we wrote, he, he believes that we should obey the government authorities. We should respect them. And, you know, Romans 13 wasn't written yet. But, but it's a general principle throughout the Bible. It says everyone must submit himself to the governing authorities. There is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, he who rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted. And those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. He finds himself in quite a conundrum here. Okay, I believe that I should do that. But I also believe that I should follow God. So who, who, who do I follow? Do I follow the law of the Medes and the Persians or do I follow God's law? That's really the essential question of the whole chapter. And as I thought about it this week, it's really an essential question just throughout all of our lives. I mean, we don't live in a country like China where our faith is illegal or even worse, North Korea or, or another country like that. And yet we, you know, we still have freedom of religion in our country. We can practice our faith without getting into trouble for the most part. And yet we still find ourselves wrestling with this question. Who do, do I obey the law of God or do I obey what's going on in our culture? The law of our culture. Should I, I my boss puts me in a difficult position and, and wants me to do something that is against God's law. Do I follow that or do I lose my job? What's going on? We have Friends and family members who want us to denounce our faith and ignore that or they're going to kind of wash their hands of us. Do I obey that law or do I obey that law? It comes a tax season and we all are hoping we can find some kind of a loophole to kind of hide money here or there. So we don't. It's all what what law do we obey? How, how do we do we obey God or do we obey the law of the land, the law of the culture, so on and so forth? How do we handle ourselves in that situation? Here's what Daniel does. He says, when, when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened toward Jerusalem. 
Three times a day he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. I think that's probably one of my favorite lines in Scripture. Daniel finds out now it's illegal for him to pray to his God. It's illegal. And so what does he do? He immediately goes home and prays. It's illegal for him to pray. So I'm gonna, he goes home, he opens up his window, gets down on his knees, and he prays to his God. And he does it three times a day, just like he's done every other day. So in, in some ways, nothing has changed for him. He says, I'm going to keep doing the same thing that I've been doing all these years. I'm remaining faithful to God and I'm praying. And yet, so on the one hand, nothing has changed. And on the other hand, everything has changed because it's illegal for him to do it. And yet he still goes up, cracks the window open, gets down on his knees and prays and kind of lets the whole world know, I'm going to obey the law of my God and I will not be obeying the law of the Medes and the Persians. Or he says with Pastor Wang Yi, I will resist in meekness those who resist God and I will joyfully violate all laws that violate God's laws. And every time, I, I love to read biographies, I love to read stories like this, and I hear, read stories of missionaries who do things like this, and I always find myself asking a couple questions. One is, how would I respond in that moment? And then second, how in the world do these men and women and all these other stories too, how do they have such confidence and courage and boldness in that situation? I mean, you're going to get arrested and, you know, this pastor got arrested, hauled off to jail, separated from his wife and children. And yet he says, I will joyfully violate the laws that violate God's law. Daniel's being threatened to be thrown into the lion's den. He knows that. And yet he says, I'm going to keep praying. It doesn't matter. And I think, how do they have such boldness? How do they have such courage? And I think as we read the rest of the story, you begin to see a theme of how that happens because the, the, his buddies, his government, these other government authorities know where they're going to find Daniel. So they go up and it says they found Daniel praying and asking God for help. As they find him praying, they grab Daniel, they bring him down to the king and they say, Hey, king, we found somebody praying to somebody other than you. Remember the law that you wrote. You can't change it just because you like Daniel. Can't change it. You still got to kill him. And so the king is worried sick. He does everything he can to try to figure out how to save Daniel. The king's looking for loopholes, can't find anything. Eventually he has to order Daniel to be thrown in the pit. And when he does, the king says, Daniel, may your God, whom you serve continually, rescue you. Like the king knows that he can't save Daniel. He's done everything he can. The only one who can save Daniel is his God, the living God of Daniel. And so the next morning, the king runs over to the, the lion's den. He has the big rock taken off of the lion's den. And he calls out and says, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, has he been able to rescue you from the lions? And Daniel says, my God sent his angel and he shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me because I was found innocent in his sight, nor have I ever done any wrong before you, O king. And it says the king was overjoyed. And gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den. And when Daniel was lifted from the den, no wound was found on him because he had trusted 
in his God. Begin to catch a theme kind of flowing through here. They find Daniel. He's doing what? He's praying to his God for help. When the king throws him in the lines, then he says, only God is going to help you. When Daniel, when the king comes the next morning and says, has your God saved you? Daniel says, my God has saved me. My God has delivered me. And then it says they pulled Daniel out and they inspected him. And there was no wounds on him because he had trusted in his God. You, you start to ask that question. How in the world can Daniel have so much boldness and courage and perseverance in the midst of a tough situation? The answer is because he trusted in his God. You ask Pastor Wang Yi over in China, how can you have so much courage and passion and boldness in the midst of this tr- situation? It's because he trusts in his God. He even says it. Pastor Wang Yi says, my God raises up kings and he takes kings down. He's, he's in control. We've been reading through Daniel and Daniel's seen kings come and go and seen kings protect people who have remained faithful. And so Daniel trusts his God. He knows he's in control. He knows he is good. He knows he will give him strength. And he knows that God is working all of these things together for his good. And so Daniel says, I trust him. I don't know what's going to happen to me. But I trust that if it happens, it's good. God God is in control. And so he stands fast. And and at, at its core, that is the essential question of our lives. Do we really think that God is trustworthy? Do we really think that God is trustworthy? And then are we going to trust him with every aspect of our lives? I mean, the reality is that it's not a question whether God is trustworthy. He's proved himself trustworthy over and over and over again. And God is trustworthy whether we believe it or not. The question is, is are we going to actually recognize that God is trustworthy and then trust him? When, as the culture begins to come in and, and provide more and more pressure on us to renounce our faith, faith and to walk away from Christ, are we going to Trust Him, trust God, and remain faithful to Him. If you have friends or employers or family members who are going to kind of cast you off because of your faith, will we trust God and remain faithful to Him? Is it possible that if someday in the future the U.S. government makes a law that flies in the face of God's law are, are we and threatens imprisonment, fines, whatever, Are we going to trust God and say, I trust you. I will remain faithful to you, God. Or say with Pastor Yi, I will joyfully violate all laws that violate God's laws. It's tough because we sit and we think about those situations and we realize our own weakness and we think, boy, I don't know if I can do it. I don't know if I'll remain faithful in those situations. It's tough. But thankfully, we have a God that gives us strength in the midst of persecution, a God that gives us hope. He he sent the Holy Spirit to walk with us. God honors the prayer, I believe, help my unbelief, or to tie it to this, I trust you, Lord, but help me when I don't trust you. And he will honor that, and he's always working. think Think about Jesus. I mean, he found himself in the same kind of a position. He had people that hated him and wanted him dead. They looked at his life and they couldn't find anything 
to pin against him. They, they've had people bring up false charges against him, and even the false charges wouldn't stick. Even to the point where Pilate had to look at Jesus and say, he's not, he's not guilty. And yet they still beat him. They still pressured him to denounce who he really was. They said, Don't, you're not the Son of God. Say that you're not the Son of God. And Jesus said, no, I can't do that. And so they beat him and they stuck a crown of thorns on him and they nailed him to the cross. And yet, what did he do before all of that happened? Jesus knew it was coming. He he knew that the weight of the sin of the world was going to be put on his shoulders. He knew that he would be beaten and flogged and falsely accused and nailed on a cross and he would die. He knew it was all coming and yet he prayed The next one, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. He says, this, this looks like it's going to be tough. I mean, this, the weight of the world is going to be up, literally on my shoulders. I'm going to be beaten. I, Lord, if you, if you could do that, take it away from me, yet I trust you. God, I trust you. You are trustworthy. You've been faithful to me. I trust trust you, so your will be done. And he trusted his father right through to the end. As He trusted him as he was falsely accused. He trusted his father as he was beaten and bruised. He trusted his father as he was hanging on the cross, put in a tomb. And then just like Daniel, they rolled the stone away. And if you can imagine the story of Daniel, people shouting to Jesus and saying, Has your God saved you, Jesus? Right? The thieves mocked him and said, Save yourself if you're the Messiah. But they roll the stone away and they say, see that Jesus has said, My God has delivered me. He's raised me from the dead. I've trampled the head of Satan. I've conquered sin and death. God has delivered me. He is trustworthy and then jesus looks at us the resurrected jesus says i am the resurrection and the life he who believes in me same meaning as he who trusts me will live even though he dies whoever lives and believes in me or whoever lives and trusts me will never die do you believe this let's pray lord we come before you recognizing our frailty recognizing that we often fall short we often don't trust you we often try to take things into our own hands and trust ourselves more than you we just ask your forgiveness Thank you for the forgiveness that you offer us through Jesus' sacrifice. We rest in that. And we just pray that not only you forgive us, but you strengthen us. And stir our hearts to trust you more and more fully every day. May we trust you in the good times and may we trust you in the midst of persecution. When it seems like we may lose everything. Lord, may we trust you and be faithful. Give us strength to do that. And keep our eyes on you. And all God's people said, Amen.